Hello, and welcome to Better Late Than Never. My name is Dave, and I'm the host, and I am joined at the moment by Will. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing good. So uh, we are together because we were working uh, recently on a different podcast when we discovered that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. Yes. And, um, you know, that was terrible news. It was incredibly shocking. He was very young, and it was, you know, as surprising to us as it was to everybody else. And, um, you know, we were talking about it, and in the course of talking about it, I discovered that you had not seen Black Panther. Correct. So I thought... Why don't we, you know, this podcast is basically about seeing movies that we've never seen before and then talking about them. So I thought, why don't we do that for Black Panther in honor of Chadwick Boseman a little bit. But I also thought that maybe we could talk a little bit about him, uh, his life, other films of his that we've seen, things like that. And, um, you know, given the nature of this episode and the circumstances around it, I'm just kind of, I'm throwing the format out and I just thought maybe we could have a discussion episode and take it like that, you know, so there's not going to be any kind of structure to this one as there normally is, but, um, yeah, sure thing, you know, um, uh, so I take it that you saw Black Panther. I did, and it's you know it's odd circumstances, of course, um, and the reason that we're doing this now, and the reason it came up. I mean, Black Panther was one of those that, if anything, I might have not seen because it had been you know I had kind of missed it, and it was originally out, um, and I thought it might be a good podcast episode. So you know, I I think that I might have like not clicked on it when I was scrolling past things to watch um, because I thought it might make a good podcast episode someday. Um, I know. But, I mean, in a way, it it sort of is like one of the perfect examples of a podcast episode because you know we cover blockbusters. We've done other Marvel movies. We've done Infinity War and Endgame for for the podcast. Uh, you know, because there's such huge blockbusters and you know cultural zeitgeist movies. And Black Panther is incredibly zeitgeisty. Uh, you know, so there's a lot to talk about with it. Yeah, very much so. And it's one of those and we'll get into all of it, but it's one of those that, you know, even without seeing it, um, I was kind of in on a lot of the references and stuff like that, just because they became so prevalent and so much in the zeitgeist. And um, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you get the references, even, you know, even though you haven't actually watched the movie. um, And, you know, I I always planned on watching the movie and getting around to it. Um, So it's, you know, exactly the type of movie that you would regularly do on the pod. Yeah. Um, Well, so um, I have to ask, were you you a Marvel guy? You know, the thing is not really. And I was a comic book guy growing up. Um, I was a comic book kid. Like I grew up on comic books. But, you know, Marvel was always kind of there, but never really so much my jam. I mean... I, I learned to read on stuff like, you know, the Carl Barks Disney uh, stories, which are, I think, underappreciated in the overall um, kind of echelon of comic books. They're tremendous storytelling. And then, you know, stuff like Tintin or Calvin and Hobbes um, graduated to stuff like Mad Magazine. And then when I was a teenager, um, you know, mainly I was into more like independent stuff like, you know, Jonan Vasquez, Art Crumb, uh, Peter Bagg, Daniel Close. Um, you know, so Evan not Dorkin, superhero uh, comics. No, and even when I did get into superheroes, it was even more like stuff like the Image stuff, like Spawn or the Max oh. or things like that. Um, and you know, DC and Marvel were always there, but I think it was maybe it was kind of my desire to be a little like counter culture, or maybe it was just that um, you know when I did get uh, when I did read them, I think I tended more towards the graphic novels, the like Alan Moore, Frank Miller type stuff, mm. um, than the kind of uh, periodical uh, uh, comic books. Not that I avoided them, and I certainly read my share of stuff like you know Spider-Man and, and Incredible Hulk and stuff like that, and, and you know even as I was a kid and all throughout. Um, 
But yeah, I think that it was just never really kind of what my main focus was, even though that I, I even though I was a huge fan of comic books in general, um, it, I, it was just never exactly what I was into. Um, and not even that I disliked them. It was just not something that I geeked out over. Um, and then kind of when the movies came out, I remember, I, I guess, uh, would you say that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, I think, was that the first Marvel produced movie? That's like Marvel um, Studios? Or? So uh, the first like Marvel, Marvel movie was Iron Man. Okay, which was after Spider-Man by a few years, I think, right? Yeah, Spider-Man was owned by Sony for a long time because um, Marvel went through this bankruptcy crisis uh, for a while and they had to sell off the movie rights to all of their A-list characters um, in order to stay afloat. Right. Which is why when the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe project started, it started with what was considered at the time to be all like B and C list characters. Like Iron Man was not a high level star of the Marvel Comics Universe when this kicked off. Right. He is now. Right. But like your Spider-Man's your X-Men, like your Fantastic Four, like those were the kings of sort of the Marvel Comics uh, universe. And Marvel didn't own the movie rights to any of that. Right. That's Which right. was kind of funny. Uh, and they had to work out a special deal with Sony in order to share the movie rights to Spider-Man, which is why Spider-Man comes into the MCU so late. Yes, I, I think I knew that history or vaguely knew it, um, but it's just so interesting. And I think it, in a way, um, instead of li limiting uh, the MCU, uh, allowed it to thrive by taking all these characters that were, you know, previously um, kind of tertiary or not as well known or not kind of the main um, cultural icons and kind of growing them into them so that, that you know, now it's expanded. And as you mentioned, Iron Man or, you know, Deadpool or, you know, all these other, um, you know, Ant-Man, you know, ones that I was aware of as a kid, but that no one was like, oh, did you get the latest Ant-Man comic book? You know, no. I really want to find out what Hank Pym is up to. Yeah. <laughs> so with uh, what you've seen of the Marvel films and with your comics knowledge were you able to follow what was going on in black panther oh absolutely i mean it's I a think standalone that, movie i mean it works a, on its own it's a standalone movie i think that all the but you do bring up i think my resistance or hesitation to see more of the marvel movies because i've seen a good share of them but i've also skipped a good share of them and i think it is because at a certain point it becomes kind of that like in joke thing and, you know, you have a character that shows up that you're supposed to know, like, what their deal is from the other movies. And it's kind of like, oh, well, it's all these Easter eggs. And it, they all just go over my head. Um, or most of them do anyway. And it's just kind of that. It gets to be that thing where, um, you know, there's something going on and, you know, you're aware of something going on, but you're aware that you're not getting it. It's like a uh, you're in a, with a group of friends who are all sharing an inside joke that you're not part of. Um, yeah, so. well, I mean, you know, they don't all stand alone quite as well as Black Panther does. But at the same time, I think right. a lot of them do stand alone pretty well. Like for the most part, e either the Easter eggs are that they're just Easter eggs or quick in jokes that you don't need. They're just jokes that you can get if you get them. Like even in Black Panther, Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman's characters were established previously in other movies, you know, so. Okay, so that was actually a question I had about both of the characters, actually, so. Yeah, well, I, even Black Panther was established in an early, you know, he gets introduced in Civil War. So, right. as right. does um, Okoye. So, right. you, you know, the seeing the other ones, there's stuff you can know, but, like, they'll, they'll work on their own. And I think a lot of the right. Marvel, so long as you're not watching, like, Infinity War... 
they'll mostly work on their own. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And the ones that I've seen, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like they don't make them hard to follow. Um, but it is just the, you know, you get the idea that you're not appreciating them fully and because you haven't seen, you know, the whole No, lot you're of not. Them. You have to watch all 20 of the movies leading up to this one. Otherwise, you won't get every fucking joke. You won't appreciate it on as many levels as I do. Um, I mean, that's definitely the case. But um, I think that in the case of, uh, and, and for that reason, um, I think that I have kind of tended to watch the ones like Black Panther um, or, you know, some of the others that uh, I knew going in that they were, uh, that, 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 that they existed as standalone movies and they succeeded as standalone movies, or at least that that's what their reputation was. Uh, so, I mean, that was certainly the word about Black Panther when it came out, but it was just one that I didn't, you know, hadn't gotten to. Was it, uh, was it hyped? Black Panther was absolutely hyped. Yeah, I feel like I know the answer to that one. It was very hyped, um, and it was very much like, you know, it's the movie to see, and if you don't see it, you don't, you know get everything but you know at a certain point you get the references you know what wakanda is you you've seen the arm uh signal before the um, salute the, the salute the you know salute. yeah um so so at a certain point you know it just kind of seeps into your head and you're able to you know pick up on the references even if you haven't seen it but absolutely it was something that was very much in the zeitgeist and for good reasons you know another interesting part of it that i'm kind of um thinking out loud here is i think part of the reason maybe i didn't see it was because um i think it was championed for very good reasons but it also made me a little bit nervous in that i was afraid that a lot of the reason that people were kind of singing its praises was because it was such a feat and such a success in um you know championing uh, representation, which is very important, but do doesn't always necessarily mean that the movie and the narrative itself um, is great. And I was thinking back to a movie like the um, uh, Ghostbusters reboot that they did a few years back, which had an all-female cast of hilarious women, and it was written and directed by hilarious, talented people. And even before the movie came out, there were all these dipshit, you know, incel types online that you know shot all over the movie and said it was ruining their dumbass childhood or whatever to you know have a movie can come out um that you know was was working with existing intellectual property but was starring people who aren't weren't you know men or predominantly white men heaven forbid and it almost seemed like politically that i was a champion of the movie before I ever saw it. And then when I did see the movie, and I'm talking again about the, the all-female Ghostbusters, it was just incredibly underwhelming. It wasn't terrible, but it certainly wasn't that great. No, it's not um, that good. And I think uh, sort of the hype around Black Panther was, you know, kind so of... So basically you were afraid that if you saw it, what if I don't like it? What if I don't like it? <laughs> what if I don't like it, but I still have to kind of champion it because as a reaction to all these dipshits online who, you know, uh, seem to have to uh, shit on everything sort of, that's good or nice. That, that's good or nice, or even have this reaction to something that's being proactive from a representation standpoint um, that is just, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know if regressive is the right word, but just... Yeah, I think regressive is the right word. Petty and shitty, I think, would be the right words, too. And, uh, you know maybe that i don't think that that's what's you don't want to like accidentally it, wind up on the same side as them right which i think i did to a certain extent when that ghost when i saw that ghostbusters movie and i was like huh this is i run into okay. that problem with the last jedi mm, yep that's another example yeah where i you know i don't particularly care for the film but i don't really like to say anything about it because i don't want to join the people who criticize it you yeah. know yeah well i guess what then i have to ask you you obviously i have to ask you immediately did you like the film yeah the thing is i did like the movie uh I did oh like yeah it lived up to the hype i'm sure i mean i don't 
and as you can, as anyone has guessed from listening to this already, I mean, I'm not a huge Marvel guy. I don't rush out to see, you know. Okay. Everything. Yeah, but but the but the movie's good. But the movie's good. The movie's yeah. good. Um, I mean, in general, I'm only ever going to like a Marvel movie that much. I kind of feel like they're all more or less the same, and some of them are a good version of that thing, and some of them are a not so good version of that thing. Um, dare you? But this was definitely a good version of that thing. I think this one is a really good version of that thing. Yeah, I'll that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can maybe get into it a little deeper. Although I think our conversation is going to be a little scattershot, but it does a few things like just extraordinarily well. Um, It does. And I'm willing to bet this is probably just kind of something that's part of being a part of the Marvel family that caused this. Uh, This is endemic to Marvel films that um, a a third act problem where um, it devolves into kind of big action battle set piece where it all looks like big cartoon shoot 'em up and it's all kind of just special effects going pew pew and everything that was working so well about the film up until that point was other stuff like really good acting really good production design most of which is still there but is getting kind of lost in kind of like there's two CGI Panthers fighting each other. And it's like, I, you know, it's not even their faces anymore. They're both just kind of CGI constructs, you know, or like there's CGI rhinos running around. It's like, I don't really care about this so much. And, you, you know, it's like, it's that third act. And all Marvel films have this third act issue where wow. when it comes to the big third act fight, very few Marvel films uh, get around the, this problem right at the end where the climax is always the weakest part of the movie yeah i mean i agree with you as far as that's what all marvel movies do i don't know if i consider it the weakest part of the movie i mean it's oh. certainly certainly we have to get there and we know where it's headed which is kind of my point about them all more or less being the same we know we're going to have that third act um showdown we know kind of how it's going to play out and we know in the leading up to it, there's going to be some greater world building. There's going to be, you know, some version of either an origin story or, um, you know, just establishing characters and things like that. Um, but I do agree with what you said about the production value in this movie being amazing, about all the acting being amazing. And just from a representational standpoint, which I touched on earlier, just the amount of awesome actors that were in this movie. And, you know, this isn't just, you know, Michael B. Jordan and obviously Chadwick Boseman, but, um, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll mention the cast. Um, yeah. So Chadwick Boseman was King T'Challa, who is the hero Black Panther. Michael B. Jordan played Eric Killmonger Stevens. Killmonger with a name like that. I know. Killmonger, it, like it, they keep running into this problem where like they have these 60s and 70s bad guy names like Killmonger, right? And they just like get around it by being like, oh yeah, that was like his um his SEAL team co- code name or something like that, you know. Um, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o played Nakia. Denai Guerrera was Okoye. Yeah. Martin Freeman played Everett Ross. Daniel Kaluuya was in this movie as Wakabi. He he was. I was, you know, very happy to see him. Love that guy. I keep forgetting Um, that he's in this. There was like a year where he was in everything. And I guess it was this year. (laughs) I guess this was the year. Yeah. I mean, and then has he been in much stuff since this was 2018? It's now 2020. He just movies are kind of. Didn't Queen and Slim come out like three months ago? Okay, yeah, I guess so. That was, you know, filmed. Um, that was in production before COVID times, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's kind of an, on hold right now, of course. Um, but there, yeah. there's more people. Letitia Wright was Shuri. Yep. Winston Duke. Yeah. Baku. Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, right? Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Andy Whitaker. Circus. Uh huh. Oh, my God. Uh, Sterling Brown, Sterling right? Sterling Brown. <laughs> 
I mean, Keith Brown shows up. The bench was so deep, and you know, it's just so. At some point, you know, or you know, there's a thought out there that it might be superficial to judge a movie based on you know, the representation angle, but just the delight I had, and, you know, I'm just a fucking white guy, but the delight I had in just such a deep bench of so many black actors that, you know, probably don't get as many roles as they should. I mean, we're talking about a guy like Forrest Whitaker, who is an Academy Award winner for Best Actor, and, you know, should probably be starring in a movie every year, a big budget movie every year, headlining it. You know, same with the, with Angela Bassett, you know, I mean, Sterling Brown. I mean, I mean, these people are all getting work. We all know their names, but uh, just the, the depth of just awesome, you know, leading slash character uh, actors and actresses in this movie. Um, you well, know, and for, if we're, if we're going to be talking about the acting, I guess we have to get to my biggest criticism of the film. All right. When I was walking out of the movie theater, when I saw it for the first time, which was the movie should have been called Killmonger and it should have been about that guy hmm. because Michael B. Jordan is so fucking good in this. He is so magnetic. You can't take your eyes off of him. He is in fucking incredible in this movie i think it's it's some of the best work he's done in his whole career i think he's absolutely amazing in this movie he is amazingly good in the movie you know it's funny because we didn't obviously do this isn't a traditional um format as far as how how the episodes are done um and you know obviously because we did this after chadwick Boseman died and obviously you know because that happened i i knew but before before he passed, um, I knew that he and um, and Michael B. Jordan were in the movie, and I wasn't sure which one of them was Black Panther. I just oh. I didn't know. Because <laughs> oh. I would think about it, and I'd be like, oh, well, if Michael B. Jordan's in it, clearly he's Black Panther, right? No, and I was like, but, but wait, no. But, bad guy. Chadwick was, and it actually didn't occur to me that one of them was going to be the villain. I was like, wait, how can they both be in it? What? Because, you know, the villain is usually like a, an ugly person, like an older, uglier person in my mind. So now you know. In Marvel movies, it, it, it's, it is also a thing about these Marvel movies that at least in the first one, in the origin story one, the bad guy is always a dark mirror of the hero. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. Yeah, so maybe I should have seen it coming. Clearly, after the fact, I should have I should have included that. Yeah, um, no, but Michael B. Jordan is fantastic, though, in this. But um, let, let's talk about Chadwick Boseman as the lead, though. Let's also talk about the fact that it is absolutely incredible that you see him in this and in this incredible and insanely physical role. Yeah. He had cancer when he made this film. Isn't it incredible? I mean, it's, and we're not the first people to comment on this, obviously, but how, you know, just the shape he's in, the physicality necessary for this role, and just the fact that he did, you know, whatever, five, five I don't know the exact number of just, you know, in the prime of his career um, roles, and they were all when he had when he was literally fighting for his life when he was yeah literally and, and these these are aren't like disease. easy movies to make these are yeah. like that like 18 hours a day like working out all the time like high demands high stress shit movies you know like, absolutely right uh, yeah I mean, it's just amazing. And, you know, the fact that he was completely not public about the illness the whole time. Uh, I mean, it's just so like you just you can't help but think of like what a hero he was in real life. Yes. And then not having seen the movie before, you know, it, it kind of gave that weight to anything that happens in the movie. Obviously, like when he um, is, you know, thrown 
into the, you know, down the waterfall and he's quote unquote dead um, for a small period in the movie, even though, you know, watching it, you know that the character is not really dead because obviously he's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. Never throw them over a ledge. They always come back. Right. But but I mean, just the emotional impact of it, you know, kind of knowing and all kind of throughout the whole movie, just having that so prevalent in your mind as you're watching, you know, his character and watching what's going on and watching, you know, even the parts where he's, you know, having the conversation with, you know, the ghost of his dad and stuff like that. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, it just the resonance just is there where if you know, if if I had seen the movie beforehand, I probably would have been like, okay, that's, you know, it, it wouldn't have had that emotional weight because in general, I mean, maybe you'll disagree with this, but, you know, Marvel comics are a little light as far as, you know, the the kind of emotional gravity. Um, you, you know, you're not supposed to sit there and it's not like supposed to be a serious drama when the stuff is happening. It's more just kind of world building and character building stuff. Yeah, I mean, they can be. I mean, I still I still like to think of Dark Phoenix as being a pretty, uh, pretty good mm-hmm. on the, the emotions front. But, you know, that's just me sticking up for my childhood likes but um uh, you brought up um black panther and his conversation with his uh elders and i wanted to use that as a way into talking about wakanda a little bit and wakanda's history uh did you kind of know anything about sort of the idea behind wakanda and how they made wakanda for this movie no i mean only very surface stuff so they clearly put a lot of thought into the film but that what they particularly wanted to do here was create an african nation that had never been colonized so they wanted to present a vision of a modern and indeed like a technologically advanced hyper-modern African nation that had never felt the dominating influence of white European colonization. Right. So it's, it's, it's purely African, you know, so what does an untouched and un unchanged African cultural Mecca look like, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, you know, they, put a lot of effort into the production design in this movie around designing the Wakandan sets, the Wakandan outfits, the Wakandan language and behavior. And in fact, uh, as you know, uh, a lot of things were discussed recently. Chadwick Boseman was responsible for a lot of ideas behind this. For instance, like um, during the challenge ceremony, just the idea that, uh, those watching the guards would dance during the ceremony was his idea because otherwise there would be nothing to differentiate them from just being like Roman guards. Hmm. You know, having them dance adds something that is uh, differentiating from a European equivalent. So, but anyway, um, so what did you think of the production design? Cause it's, you know, it's such an important part of this film. Uh, you know, Ryan Coogler is the director, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with his other work, but I could tell you his other films if you want. Uh, Creed, right? Creed, um, Fruitvale Station, both of which guy. he worked with Michael B. Jordan on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's you know obviously, I think, one of those guys who's going to have a long, very good career. Um, he, he, The production design was incredible i mean it was in a lot of ways the star of the movie um right it was very meticulously crafted very well done um just looked beautiful looked very colorful um everything up you know the just the way that they kind of constructed it with you know the kind of the the water basin the waterfall and stuff like that where all the where everything happens and the idea that it was kind of secluded that it was kind of in between mountain ranges and that it was kind of left i don't know what word you said un- unmolested or whatever even yeah, though it takes place in un- like unchanged yeah. sure um and it takes place in modern in modern times and kind of the idea is that or it i think it's it's supposed to be believed to be by the rest of the world that it's 
um, kind of a very poor um, nation with, you know, not a lot going on. And yeah, that's just what they want kind you of to secret. think. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they want you to think. It's kind of like the whole Greenland-Iceland trick. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that it, it really wasn't as far as building a world. Um, I think that it has done it, uh, that it kind of created, you know, Wakanda was a world that was created by this film and by the filmmakers that was really, I mean, I don't think matched by any other Marvel movie and really up there with, you know, any recent movies as far as creating its own world that you kind of inhabit and immerse yourself in. Yeah. And so, and so that's really why, you know, when people talk about how, you know, the, it's not just that there's a black superhero and this movie is good for representation and like this movie made them proud like this. The effort that went into that, that's a big part of it is the fact that it envisioned this um, this place yeah. and they put so much effort into it. And the other Marvel movies don't provide something like that. So that's really the special part. It's the it's Wakanda, not just not just Black Panther, but Wakanda. Absolutely agreed. Um, and I think that they created such an immersive and kind of complete world um, that you know that setting can be used for all sorts of different stories and characters. So yeah. you know, as tragic as it is that you know that he won't be in them anymore um you can certainly see you know other stories with other characters being prominent um you know being created oh yeah i personally would love to see more of martin freeman's character i just think that um you know if he could get more screen time because i thought he was so good in the film like he just he should he should really be the star of the next one yeah, so let's talk about the Martin Freeman character a little bit because you had mentioned that he had appeared in other Marvel movies yeah. before. Well, also, uh, clearly just kidding. <laughs> Singling out the, like, the only white guy to say that. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I did want to you know, touch up because obviously, well, one thing it was kind of funny where you know, we're just so used to seeing you know, the one kind of black sidekick with a whole white cast and having that flipped. There's usually just, a token black character, and in this one, there's a token white character. And whether how self-conscious or not that was, I mean, it definitely did operate on that level and, and was charming and was funny, and Martin Freeman was funny in it. And kind of the um, perfect guy for that. Yeah. So when I first saw him, I was a little bit like, from a representation angle, he's a Brit. He's playing an American CIA guy. What's going on here? And I love Martin Freeman. But I also thought that American Martin Freeman is Jason Bateman, right? <laughs> but also keep in mind, there is a long and storied history of British men playing the most American of heroes. I mean, of we're talking Superman. Crow. Yeah. Henry Cavill. Right. Spider-Man is played by that little Tom Holland kid. Yep. You know? Russell Crowe being Australian, I just want to get that out before I... Because I noticed you said British, and I was just thinking, you know, not Americans playing Americans. But, well, but yeah. Henry Cavill's British. And Henry Cavill's British. It's just I was... I, I, I blurted out Russell Crowe just thinking uh, un-American, not thinking specifically British. I, I chuckled out a little just because Martin Freeman gets, you know, so much work. He's in so many things and he's always great. And I remember he was in the Fargo series and he was kind of playing a William H. Macy type, you know, and he did got kind of Minnesota accent and he <laughs> was great at that as well. Um, and I just remember kind of trying to think of like, as I'm watching him do this sort of friendly, nice guy, affable, American kind of milk toast type. I was like, wait, who does he remind me of? And it just hit me. It was Jason Bateman. I just think American Martin Freeman to me is J. And I kind of would like to see Jason Bateman with a British accent take on some Martin Freeman roles. I see it. I, I see it. Yeah, especially with a little that that little bit of stubble they gave him in the haircut, especially. Yes. They gave him a Jason Bateman haircut. Yes. 
And so long as we're on the white guys, Andy Circus is also a lot of fun in this. Of course, Andy Circus, I mean, always great. Always, I mean, he just gets the permanent MVP award, you know. It would the, just uh, be great if in Black Panther 2, all of the white characters just kind of like came in and just slowly kind of like took over the movie, just sort <laughs> of like arrived and like very slowly became a more dominating presence oh bit by bit. They just sort of like, completely took it over um no but um i wanted to say one more thing about the production before i did a little bit more about the actors which is there are two particular pieces of the production design that i wanted to call out as my favorite number one black panther's throne like the Mm -hmm. actual chair itself i think is awesome I, I just, uh, if you can't remember what it looks like, go Google it. Because it is like one of the coolest actual like thrones I think I've seen. And then the throne room of the Jabari tribe when they are in exile briefly and they go visit uh, the other tribe to escape. Right. That throne room is so cool. <laughs> It it's is really cool. So cool. I want a room like that somewhere. And if I could just like take T'Challa's throne and like plop it down in that room, I think maybe it doesn't quite go, but whatever. It's I, I like that a lot. But um anyway, having gotten that out, back to the cast for a minute. Very high proportion of women in this film. Uh, another great thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was particularly a fan of Shuri myself, Batisha Wright. Right, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to call out any of your favorites. I know a lot of people like Dan I. Guerrera from uh, being in Walking Dead, but... You know. Yeah, I mean, I everyone was great. No one kind of stuck out to me as being, you know, kind of... I mean, Lupita Nyong'o, everything she does is amazing. She's, you know... Hampshire alum, too, by the way. Oh, sorry? Hampshire alum. Oh, was she really? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Um, but she, you know, she's in the top, you know, three or four actresses in general working today. So you can just count on her to be amazing. Um, but everyone was great. The whole cast was stellar. Yeah. I mean, there are things about the plot we can talk about. How did you like the fact that, like, as in so many movies nowadays, it's like, all right, time to pay the bills. We're going to take a side quest to Asia. <laughs> Well, the, you know, that was actually, I think, as far as action set pieces that you talked about, it's always building towards the third act, which we knew. But all the stuff in, in Asia was Korea. I think it was Korea, right? Yeah, uh, it was in uh, Busan. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole kind of sequence of the movie, that whole period of the movie, I, I very much enjoyed. It was kind of heisty. You know, they're going after... Um, it was oh, what's James the... Bondish. It was James Bond, absolutely. When he, they, they're at a casino, when they go up and you meet Martin Freeman's character, he was almost like the... Um, Felix the, Leitner. Felix Leitner, right? That's the American James Bond counterpart part yep. that uh, Jeffrey Wright's currently playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was that was fantastic. You know, you, kind of, you, uh, you almost expected him to say some kind of shaken, not stirred type line. Um, and they have this huge, you know blow up in the casino and then it leads right into a car chase and it's a lot of fun just the whole thing was a lot of fun and i'm also just a sucker for and now i'm blanking on the uh the wakanda element oh vibranium vibranium and i was trying to kind of trying to wreck my brain of like any time that a um a MacGuffin is a fictional element. I'm kind of on board with it. <laughs> you have, of course, the inobtainium from um, uh, uh, from Avatar, right? Which was, I mean, I dislike that movie, and I, I to me, the the term the fact that they, unobtainium really that they rankles actually me. called it unobtainium. I think is well, it should it should rankle you, but it's also just kind of hilarious that they were that <laughs> on the nose with it. Um, but I mean, I think it comes up and I'm sure someone on the internet has made a list of all of them, but there's, um, I mean, obviously there's Adam Antium in, in the Marvel universe oh, as well. Love me some Adam Antium. 
Um, I think there was a there was in Star Trek. There's one that you know they mention a lot. I'm pretty sure. Well, um, in Star Trek, their engines are powered by dilithium crystals. Yes, there we go. Um, and then there's, I guess, kryptonite in in Superman. Um, totally. And and in the uh, the Larry Blameyer classic, Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, of course, they're all always looking for atmospherium. Of course. Uh, so. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that I'm a sucker for, just fictional element as movie MacGuffin. Okay. <laughs> right on. I, as an X Men fan as a kid, I'm I'm 100 on board with the uh, with the adamantium thing. Yes, absolutely. Also, uh, in Busan, so uh, among other things, uh, like in the things around this movie, there was a um the soundtrack curated by Kendrick Lamar. Mm, yep. And um, my favorite part of it is there's a song from the weekend, which plays when they're coming into the uh, casino in Busan. It's a really good song. It was in general, all the music cues in this movie were spot on. Yeah. But so let's talk a little bit more about Chadwick Boseman and his performance in this film, because, you know, typically when I talk about the acting in this movie, I focus on Michael B. Jordan, but just in this moment, I want to talk about Chad, Chadwick Boseman's work because it's less showy, you know, it's, it's less Im- immediately um, big and it doesn't like pop in the same way, but it's so important because it carries the film, you know? And I mean, the, as the hero, he's obviously not going to be able to bring that same kind of like charismatic menace. Right. He's not going to get to say cool lines like, and all this death just so that I could kill you. You know, I mean, that's a cool line. That's a super um, cool line. But, uh, you know, it, Chadwick Boseman plays T'Challa with such a, um, I don't know, he just, he carries himself with such a thoughtful dignity yes. throughout the whole film. Like, he's clearly someone who is constantly aware of the fact that he is a king, and he has that level he has the dignity of a king you know what i mean but he is someone who is also trying to remain cognizant of the fact that he is a superhero who has to basically get down and dirty in the streets and handle street level problems and so Mm -hmm. that that creates like a dichotomy you know where like you have this very lofty position but you also are dealing with some very street level problems and you can kind of see that working itself out in his mind as he moves through the movie and he comes to a different conclusion of how to reconcile that in the movie that's basically the central conflict of the film you know is how can he reconcile his various responsibilities as king and as hero you know, and it's kind of a central conflict for Wakanda too, because Wakanda has this issue of it has all this power, but it is pursuing this isolationist policy. And you know, to a certain extent, it's good because you know you follow Killmonger's path, and you know, I mean, there's a certain um, crass enjoyment that you get from taking instant vengeance of the people you have suffered from. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you're no better. You're just bringing more war and suffering. So what have you really accomplished? But, you know, you can't do nothing. You know, if you do nothing, then you're responsible too. If you, you know, have the power to do something. So, what can Chadwick Boseman do to solve this this question? 
Yeah, and I think you hit the nail right on the head with the different approaches taken by the two leads in this movie, both fantastic. But Michael B. Jordan, you get to, uh, you know, a role like that, you get to have a lot of fun with it. You get to be flamboyant. You get to have it all on the surface. You get to have exaggerated physicality and, and um, you know, just exaggerated line readings, whereas Chadwick Boseman, um, it was very much, he used the word dignity, which I liked a lot. Um, there was, I think, a lot of grace. I think it was a, a very much a slow burn, um, and it was very much anchoring the movie, um, which was his job, and he did it tremendously. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a much quoted line from the movie, which is Killmonger's, which is, is this your king? You know, and he's pointing at T'Challa, who's uh, upset over Forrest Whitaker's death. And, uh, you know, he's pointing at T'Challa in this uh, low moment. And, you know, the implication is that T'Challa is pathetic. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I mean, it's, it's he, he sort of is pathetic in the moment, given the situation, sort of. But also, he isn't pathetic in that moment because this is, you know, the man is a king, but this is a man who, like, has, you know, this is a man who cares about, he cares deeply about the people around him, you know, and it matters to him that this man has been killed. And, like, yeah, he lost the fight, so I guess, like, he failed as a hero, so maybe that, but, you know, you see what I'm saying, like, he he is a king and he is throughout the whole whole movie he's constantly trying to work through this problem that he has right and i think that there's uh and this is you see this all the time in the real world where empathy as a leader is often depicted uh by their enemies as weakness when in fact it's an essential quality yeah and it really makes Black Panther unique as not just a Marvel superhero, but a superhero, given the fact that he is not just a hero, but a, a national leader. Yeah. Uh, he has these other responsibilities that he has to remain cognizant of. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the fact that empathy, it relates to leadership. It, that brings me to this, this Wakandan, like, you know, policy problem. Which, you know, it's similar to this thing. This has been a thing that the United States has struggled with throughout its existence, which is whether or not to be an isolationist country. Right. You know, like, do we project our power or do we remain isolationist? And in the United States, this has often basically been reduced to a black and white proposition of do nothing or send the military to do something, mm -hmm. which is sort of how it's presented to T'Challa by the policy of his forefathers of do nothing and hide versus Killmonger, which is send the weapons. Whereas T'Challa is the one who finds the third way, which is the, uh, the discovery of soft power. Mm -hmm. You know, what if we just sent money and you know, like funded, you know, charities and schools and hospitals places. The T'Challa Marshall Plan. We could probably study it. Yeah, Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, obviously it's more complicated than that because, you know, it requires revealing to revealing what Wakanda really is to the world. Sure. But, you know what I mean? It's like the United States could take a page from his book, I think. Learn something there. Doesn't always have to be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about in relation to this uh, this blockbuster? Um, oh, I don't know. Not that I not that comes to mind right now. Um, it is obviously horrible that what got me to to what finally watch this movie is you know the events that happened. Obviously, I mean that goes without saying. Um, it's, you know, a loss for so many, um, you know, and it's just an incredible life story. And I think something that will be talked about for a long time, just the fact that he was so secretive 
about what he was struggling with while doing incredible, incredible work. Um, and I've even uh, heard him sort of um, equated to uh, John Cazales, who's the was the actor in the 70s who did five movies. It was The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. Um, and I think, I, I'm not sure if it was cancer, but it was a disease that took him early. So he kind of did five movies, batted a thousand, was great in all of them. And then every single uh, one of them was nominated for Best Picture. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I don't mean, it seems maybe a little trivial to equate the two of them. But I mean, just you know the the body of work the quality of the body of work um that he created in such a short time i think will definitely be something that you know lives on for a long time and people revisit for a long time um and and really discuss the guy in his life and uh you know what else can you say i mean it's it's tragic like i don't obviously didn't know him personally or anything like that but um it's it's just a uh, something that I think, you know, kind of hits hard and just life is precious and life is valuable. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing how you can feel so upset by the loss of somebody you didn't even know. Like I was pretty upset about it and I didn't know him, you know, it's, it just, you know, how does that happen? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think at least part of it is the surprise and the shock. And then also he just was so young yeah well you were saying though that uh you know we did this movie because uh you know you mentioned that you hadn't seen it but um obviously you are correct that uh chadwick boseman has been in some very good movies over the years i'll mention a few of them so he was in 42 playing jackie robinson right he was in get on up playing james brown he was in Marshall, playing Thurgood Marshall. And then 21 Bridges is kind of an action movie that came out relatively recently that I haven't seen, so I can't speak to whether or not it's any good. Obviously, there are the other Marvel films that feature Black Panther, like Captain America's Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. And then only just recently, the Spike Lee movie, The Five Bloods, came out. Yeah. Which, did you see that? I haven't yet. We've talked about it, and yeah. it's still on my list. Yeah. yeah, it is for me, too. But, yeah. So, well, I guess that's it for us for now. Uh, good discussion. I was glad to have a reason to come back to see Black Panther. It, you know, obviously not given the circumstances, but I did enjoy seeing the movie again. It is a very good film, and I liked watching it again. Uh, there's a lot of good performances. The action's good. You know, we didn't really talk very much about Ryan Coogler's directing. We talked about kind of things around it, like the production design and the the work that went into building Wakanda, which he was involved in. But I do right. want to mention that the directing in the film is very good. So yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Not to ignore that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it. So that's it for now. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email the podcast at betterlatethaneverpod at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, tweet at betterlate underscore pod. Will, thanks for doing the pod. Thank you for having me, as always. And for everyone out there, we will catch you next time. Bye.